this is Louise Campbell, co-host of Surfing the National Army podcast. Today we're offering four conversations from episode 38, a repeat episode we posted for the first time in August 2020 on the roles that nurses, dietitians, and physicians assistants play in supporting patients with fatty liver diseases. In this conversation, we begin to focus on the pivotal role that nurses, dietitians, physicians assistants, and other allied health professionals play in treating patients. Roger begins by framing the discussion around three questions. One, for allied professionals, how much of their focus lies in maintaining and enhancing wellness as compared to treating illness? Question two, how do these two concepts differ both in the minds of professionals and in terms of what information and guidance they present to patients? And three, what are the keys in supporting patients' focus on wellness, both during the office visit and afterwards? I respond based on my own experience. I'd recently moved out of the NHS to focus on more early stages of disease, where it's easier to change behaviour and encourage wellness. Liver patients tend not to get information until late in their disease, which motivated by change in the workplace and role. I mentioned the announcement that the British government made that month to create a far-reaching policy around obesity and discuss its likely impact on patient health. In response to the question from Roger, I go on to discuss how we present information in ways that empower patients to take better care of themselves. Done right, this can extend beyond the individual patients to their families and other supporters. Peter Traber agrees and comments based on his own past medical practice. His two points, patients have extensive care teams with multiple areas of expertise and that patients are best served when the care team members actually act as a team. Remember, 2020 was mid-pandemic. Listening to this episode three years later, I was struck by how much the commentary still is accurate and even fresh today. It's worth a second listen, particularly for professionals who treat patients and manufacturers considering ways to support better treatment over time. So sit back, listen, learn and enjoy. And when you're done, join the dialogue in our LinkedIn discussion group. Roger Green. Today's topic, really, we're going to take a look at the pivotal role that nurses, dietitians, physicians assistants, other allied health professionals play in treating patients. This really comes from two things we've been talking about some recently. One is the entire idea of wellness and illness, and that there are two very different paradigms in terms of how you look at patients and what you're trying to do for them and with them, and that they might produce different results. And the second which I guess is kind of out of that paradigm question, is Stephen's comment about the smile curve, that you can get people to do really well for three months, but by six months they bounce back up. I've always believed that's an issue of how much behavioral training and what kind of psychological support goes in, what psychological teaching goes into getting people through their events. That's why companies like Noom, for example, can be so successful because that's the platform on which they're founded. When you look at organized healthcare. The role of being the intermediary, the person who teaches wellness and wellness styles and tries to coach patients to look differently at how they live their lives tend to be nurses, dietitians, physician assistants. We happen to be blessed to have a renowned one on our panel, Louise. And what I'd like to do right now for starts is just take a look at a few different questions, okay? And I've got four, really. How much focus in that, in what you do and that part of the job is on maintaining wellness versus preventing or self-treating illness, number one. Number two, how are the two concepts different in terms of what's presented to the patient and in the mind of the professional? Um, number three, what are the keys 
in supporting and empowering patients to take better charge of their own wellness and to be more efficacious, not just for the three months before the other loop turns up, but in the long term in terms of taking care of their own wellness. And then well, let's let's stop there. We'll go through those for each of us. Then I'll come back and ask the fourth question to the group. Louise, you want to kick us off? Absolutely. Happy to do, do that. Um, I think if I look at how much focus is on maintaining wellness versus preventing and self-treating illness in what I do, obviously I've moved out of the NHS to take out diagnostics to front load early diagnosis of liver disease. So I'm moving more into trying to maintain wellness and locate at a time point when we can try and prevent liver disease because we have a long time to prevent it. Although I did within the NHS and within my previous roles, it was always about trying to maintain wellness and giving advice. It was usually at a far later stage where it is very difficult to change behaviour. It is very difficult to engage if you only use blood markers. Utilising things that engage patients helps change behaviour. But I think very few people don't want to engage. There is this misnomer that people sometimes are hard to engage or hard to change behaviour. It's about getting access to the level of information, I suppose. And a lot of patients with liver disease don't get it until they've been found. And as I've been an advocate for, we only find the few, we don't find the many. So I now have moved into trying to prevent and get better access. And a lot of patients can self-treat, particularly fatty liver disease, minor tweaks, minor changes. And I think the UK government today announced an obesity strategy, which I'd argue is now the first government internationally to announce a NAFLD and NASH strategy because what they're targeting is high sugar drinks, advertising. And I think although there'll be a lot of people for it, there'll be a lot of people against it. Actually, reducing any and improving people's diet and exercise, we know are the key factors to trying to change most of the outcomes of fatty liver disease. So it will make massive change even if we only implement it through marginal areas. We will watch cardiovascular risk drop. We will also watch an improvement in type 2 diabetes. And that one announcement by the British government today can trigger absolute tsunami of research in all areas where diet and liver disease can cross over. And I think long term, we will see it prevent deaths. And I think that's the advantage, whether people agree with it or disagree with it. The government has taken a stance as a result of COVID-19 and obesity. So I applaud that, but we've got a long way. And it's going to be delivered largely by allied health professionals in GP practices. So that answers question A, the first one for you. So why don't you go on to questions B and C? How are the two concepts different? What do you think are the keys to getting patient, empowering patients to actually do that well? I think... Patients, once they're engaged, do do it very well, and it's speaking to them in their own language. Um, I've spent a long time trying to educate people on cirrhosis who've had cirrhosis for 15 or 20 years, but because they didn't drink, they didn't think it was that type of cirrhosis. They see it written in letters, they don't engage with that term, and I think bringing it back to the basic concepts, using an analogy that somebody can visualise and understand really works, and it's how you present it, and every patient is different how you present it. And in the terms and the mind of professionals, I think we have to take that nurses come from a completely different angle. We are here to be the patient's advocate and therefore we can disagree with our medical colleagues because actually we are there to protect the patient and sometimes people think that nurses or allied professionals will just say no or put barriers in the way but it is about a patient and it's protecting that right of the patient and sometimes that trumps all. So there is a way that you can say it to the patients um, that absolutely engage 
engages them, but engages them in clinical trials, engages them in their care, and actually it engages them in their family's care. And I think that's an importance because what we discuss with Nash Tsunami is not just about the individual, it's about everybody around that individual being able to help each other. Because one of the biggest reasons that weight loss is difficult is people aren't overly supportive and it's very difficult if you're on your own. So it's not just obesity because that's a highly stigmatised area and people eat for different reasons. So it is really important that we make the differences in the concepts, but that we absolutely engage the patient and empower them. And an empowered patient can move earth and heaven to achieve what they want, but they just need a guide sometimes and the right information at the right time. And that's usually with the patient in the room at the time of your intervention. And I think they want to know what happens and what they can do right now to make that change. So hopefully that covers those additional points. Louise, I think that the things that you've said are right on point. And I'd like to make just a couple of observations from my practice of medicine and seeing how people are practicing medicine today. First of all, there are lots of people today involved in the care of of patients. It wasn't like when I first came up through medicine where it might have been me and one nurse and the nurse was spread very thin, as was I. But now we have many different ancillary healthcare professionals in nutrition, in behavior modification, nursing, lots of different areas. And one of the things that I think is critical for these systems to work is that they actually act as a team. And it means acknowledgement that each team member has certain skills that and areas of expertise that are, are best for the team and best for the patient. And I still don't see as much teamwork in medicine as I think we need for something like changes in lifestyle and behavior. It would be very nice to have individual team members being experts in different areas, obviously dietary, behavior modification, and ensure that the team takes all that into account so that everybody is giving people the same message, but there's an individual there that is helping to guide the team. Because I think patients do get different messages from different allied healthcare professionals. I think that can be confusing to the patient. And I'm just wondering what you think about that. And then I have one other question for you. We talk about liver health, but there are so many other things that these teams of health professionals are dealing with from hypertension, dyslipidemia, cardiovascular disease, osteoarthritis, obesity, etc. A lot of them are interrelated, but how do teams accomplish the kind of things we think they should for patients when there are so many different things that the team may have to do for different patients? And now, Louise Campbell. We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you do have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please put them in the review section of the page from which you downloaded this conversation or send an email to questions at surfingnash.com. Roger and John will be back next week while I'll be joining from Western Australia, where it will be the middle of the night when we record. The two topics we are considering both reflect recent publications of tremendous interest. Until then, stay safe, surf on, and we'll see you on the podcast. Bye-bye for now.